looking unto him. I don't want to get I don't want to get sidetracked with politics. I don't want to get sidetracked with money. I don't want to get sidetracked with family drama. But I want to remember this is Christmas. Christmas is when Jesus came to seek and to save that which is lost. And I was lost, but now I've been found. I was blind, but now I can see. And I'm looking unto Him. Amen? With that understanding, why don't you praise Him for a few minutes? Why don't you worship Him? Why don't you let Him know what He means to you? Jesus! Jesus, my Savior! Jesus, my Redeemer! Jesus, the lover of my soul! I love you today. I love you today. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. This is the day that the Lord has made, and I've made up my mind. I'm going to rejoice and be glad in it. I don't care how much money I got in the bank. I don't care what's going on in my body. I don't care what's going on in my family. I've made up my mind. I'm going to rejoice and be glad because Jesus loves me. Jesus loves me. I don't need anything else. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Praise God, praise God, praise God. Give somebody a high five and say, Jesus is in the house. Matthew chapter 9. Book of Matthew, great book. My name is Matthew. Book of Matthew, chapter 9, verse 16 and 17. Jesus is speaking here. If you've got one of those fancy red letter editions, it'll be red. He says, No man putteth a new, put, put a piece of new cloth into an old garment. For that which is put in to fill up is taken from the garment and is rent and is made worse. Neither do men put new wine into old bottles, else the bottles break and the wine runneth out and the bottles perish it. But they put new wine into new bottles and both are preserved. Look at somebody and say, you don't put new wine into old bottles. By the help of the Lord and the Holy Ghost and all his angels and powers and all of that, because when I'm preaching, I need all of it. I'm going to preach to you what God put on my heart for this church in the name of Jesus. Lord, I thank you for your word right now. Lord God, this body of Christ, we come together in agreement We take authority over every human spirit, over every demonic spirit, over anything that would stand against what you have ordained for this people. In the name of Jesus, I bind it right now and I leave it powerless. By the power of the name of Jesus and on the authority of your word right now, God, I release the spirit of truth. 
I release the fear of the Lord into this place. I release, Lord God, your glory to be manifested today. Let this not be just another time to get together. Let us not just go through the motions. But God, I don't want to leave here the way that I came. I need a touch of your spirit today. In the name of Jesus, let it be, God. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise God. Give somebody else a high five and you may be seated. I love your pastor. He is a great friend. I have friends, but I've got a few great friends. Your pastor's a great friend. And uh, he did me a great honor when, uh, when it was my birthday, November 27th. And that weekend, he handled our services, so it was uh, only right that I could come and handle it. Handle the services on his birthday. And uh, and I'm telling you, I, I saw the, the video of the service. God had a word for our church, and it was him to deliver it. And I pray I can do what God has put on my heart to deliver the message to you today. Amen? Amen. It's an honor. It is always an honor. Let me tell you first. I heard, of one, I heard a preacher say it this way. Why settle to be a king of an empire when you could be a preacher? I believe that there is nothing I find more honorable and I am more grateful for in my life is that God has allowed me to preach the gospel. I wanted to do it from the time I was a little guy, probably a little older than my son now. But I was raised in a pastor's home and I learned that I couldn't do it myself. I had to have a call of God. And at the young age of 16, God called me. And he gave me the desire of my heart to be a preacher of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm no longer 16. In fact, I've been preaching more years in my lifetime than I haven't been preaching. And it is an honor always. But it is a specific honor to preach in this church. To preach for your pastor, a man I respect and honor greatly. And I, uh, he has, I don't know that I've shared this with you, but God brought us together. We didn't know each other that well. We didn't have a, a lot going on. It was before, before this church was in existence. This church was just a seed beginning to be planted in the heart of your pastor. And he came to me and he was talking to me about some things. And um, he shared with me and he said, uh, we didn't even know each other that well. But he came and he shared with me and he said, God's, God's told me. That, that you're, you're, you're somebody that, I, that, that we're going to be together. And, and I'm not going to share everything that we talked about, but it was, it was very, very humbling to me to hear that from a man of God. And, um, but it, it was something that your pastor put upon me, and I pray that I can be everything that God called me to be. Every day I wake up in the morning and before I go to work, I pray a covering over my family. And I pray not only that God would be with us and protect us and keep us safe, but I pray that all of us could be what God has called us to be. That we can let our light shine. That we can be what Jesus is. Because sometimes we're the only Jesus anybody's going to see. Amen? Amen? Praise the Lord. Well, I've got, I just turned a year older. And I'm discovering that these young folks are getting on my nerves sometimes. And I, I'm realizing I'm turning into that the old man who would always scream, get off my lawn. When I'd be running across the lawn when I was a young folk. And now I'm, that, I'm the old man now saying, get off my lawn. 
I'm the crotchety old grumpy guy. What are these? What kind of music are these young people listening to? That's not music. I used to say that. And, and I just I just uh, that somebody had just posted on Facebook or something about how this is an anniversary. I forget how many years it was of Larry Bird's retirement. Now, I'm from Indiana. And let me give you a little plug. Indianapolis, where they're going to be having the Youth Congress, is the greatest place to have a convention or a conference. The Youth Congress, what they're having is the largest gathering of the United Pentecostal Church in North America. It is unmatched, unrivaled. It is crazy. The city of Indianapolis is overwhelmed by young people who love Jesus. And you talk about feeling bold. When you, if you're able to go to that and experience that, when you come back, you better be changed because otherwise you need, to, you need me to come smack you upside the head because God moves. And if you don't let God move, that's your fault. But it is powerful. It is, it is awesome. Um, but I, I grew up in Indiana. I was born not very far from where Larry Bird was born. My, my mom was in college in Indiana State when Larry Bird was playing for Indiana State. Basketball is pretty large in Indiana. There are gymnasiums in Indiana in high schools that will seat 15,000 people. And they fill them up. And these schools only have like a thousand people in the school. But people from all different counties, they all come and drive sometimes two hours to come see Muncie Central play Bedford North Lawrence. You guys don't know who they are, but those are big time schools. Uh, there's several NBA players uh, that went to, went to, for instance, my parents went to Marion High School. Zach Randolph went to Marion High School. I used to play in the street against Glenn Big Dog Robinson. These are Indiana players, and Indiana basketball's big, and there's nobody bigger than Larry Bird. And I'm thinking to myself how I can't stand basketball anymore because it's so different than what it was when I grew up and my way of doing it and how we did it. I remember when it was Magic and Bird. And I was bird because I'm from Indiana. That's just the only way to do it. And it would be frustrating to the Indiana Pacers players. I remember when Reggie Miller first came up, he used to get really aggravated. This is the Indianapolis team. When the Boston Celtics, where Larry Bird played, when they would come and play the Indiana Pacers, there would be more fans from Indiana rooting for the Celtics than rooting for the home team. Because of Larry Bird. He was an icon in Indiana. He walked on water in Indiana. He was a big deal. Those of you who don't care about basketball or don't anything, thank you for listening to me. <laughs> I'll be done in a second and we'll get into the word. But Larry Bird was, was it. And then he and Magic were it. And then along comes this guy doing stuff that had never been done before. And it was like, what is this guy doing? He's wagging his tongue all over the place. And he, he's just uh, insane doing stuff nobody done before. And his name was Michael Jordan. Now, I know you heard of Michael Jordan. And he's doing stuff. And I happen to live in northwest Indiana where everybody was Bulls, Chicago Bulls, Michael Jordan fans, except me. I was still rooting for Larry Bird, even though he didn't have much left in the tank back then. And, I, and, and, and all that, I'm like, Michael Jordan, he doesn't do stuff the way you're supposed to play. He doesn't play basketball the way you're supposed to play, but he began to win and kept winning and kept winning and just never lost. And it's like, you know what, maybe his new way of doing it is 
probably a better way to do it. And then I, I got to where then the, then the guys came in and then the, the next generation was Allen Iverson and everybody had tattoos all over the place. And I didn't like that. I was like, Larry Bird never had a tattoo. Well, you don't need a tattoo to play basketball. And but I saw Allen Iverson do stuff I'd never seen a guy his size do. And I had to respect it. I, I couldn't stand the fact that Larry Bird. Practice. He would show up before everybody else to practice. He would be there later than everybody else for practice. But here's Allen Iverson. You talking about practice? <laughs> and he just goes out there and does stuff that is amazing. And it's like, man, well, maybe there is something there. And then, then, then of course, uh, I have to argue with these young people to try to tell me that LeBron James is better than Larry Bird. You're never gonna, you're never gonna convince me of that. I don't care if he wins a championship every year until he dies. He's still not gonna be better than Larry Bird. I have to admit, Matt, Magic's probably better and, and Jordan is probably, well, no probably. Jordan's better. He's, Jordan's the best there is. LeBron's very good. He's great even. He's not as good as Larry. That's not the Bible. That's not the anointed word of God. That's Matt McFarland's opinion, just so we get that clear. I'm not, oh, pastor said that Jordan's or, or LeBron's not, not as good as Larry. So that's, that's just a, the point of all my rambling that I've just been talking about is that you've all been there. And even when, even as a teenager, you'll recognize that the, the, like the shows that you used to watch, because now they come up with new shows all the time now. And you're like, well, my shows when I was a kid were better than those old shows. Now, my in my day, it was He-Man and 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 Thundercats and uh, and uh, G.I. Joe, and uh, and then then come, comes along now. I don't, I don't know what they're watching now, but now it's more it's, it's other stuff. And there, it's you know, when I was a kid, my my cartoons were better. So even young people can understand this understanding of my old way is better. Now, does anybody agree with me? If I have I tell you, I've talked about basketball that some people don't care about, but I talked about cartoons. Now everybody's got to care about cartoons, right? <laughs> you always feel like what was yours is better. The good old days was always better, and we think about that. Now we're going to get into some things with scripture. There's a there's a there's a group. There is a a, a process taking place. Where people are trying to muzzle the preacher. They, they tried to pass a law in the United States of America where a preacher would have to turn in his notes of what he was going or she was going to preach about to the government so the government could go through and look through it to make sure they weren't going to say anything that might offend somebody. That happened in the United States of America. That didn't happen in communist Russia or, or China where they censor everything before it comes. The United States of America, the land of the free and the home of the brave, government was trying to muzzle the preacher. They're trying to take the words from the preacher away. And they realized there's too many freedom-loving Americans that they wouldn't let that happen. That didn't fly. That didn't pass. So they've gone a different direction. They're trying to do it culturally. They're trying to tell you 
that a preacher cannot tell you different things. And if, if anybody's going to do something that offends you in any way, they call it hate speech. And if they can call it hate speech, well, everybody agrees that nobody should hate anything. I mean, we should, everybody should love everybody. I'm here to tell you the Bible tells you to hate sin. Hate sin. The Bible says that God said, Jacob have I loved. Esau have I hated. That's not pleasant. Then there was a time when Jesus was speaking and he gets up there and he's, he's talking to them. And all these people are following him because they want a free lunch. And they're all excited because he fed the 5,000 and they're ready to get more miraculous food so they don't have to work. And they're ready for Jesus welfare. Woohoo! I don't have to work and I can get everything taken care of for me. Yahoo! Yay, Jesus! And Jesus says, really? Unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you'll have no part of me. And they said, this cat is crazy. This is the Matt McFarland translation. They said, this is hard. This is too hard. For... He's talking about cannibalism. I'm not down with that. I don't care if it is free food. I'm going over here. And they left him. And the disciples were still there. They're the only ones that were left. And he said, well, are you going to go away too? And they had learned something, these disciples. And they said, to whom else can we go? God, I don't understand at all what you just said about drinking your blood and eating, eating your flesh. That makes no sense to me. But I know that you're the only one that has the words of eternal life. And even though that hurts and that's hard for me to understand and that offends my consciousness, my understanding, my background, my upbringing, I'm going to stick around because I know you. And you see... Your preacher has to deliver the word without fear or favor. There's a different thing, different thing when you're a preacher and then you move into the role of pastor. I'm going to tell you a little bit about that because I know a little bit about that. When you're pastor, you're not just worried about delivering the word of God. When you let me tell you, it is easier. It's probably a lot more fun to be an evangelist where all you do is preach the word. Because there's nothing I enjoy more on planet earth than preaching the word. When you get up and you've prayed and you've prepared and God puts his anointing on you, let me tell you, there ain't nothing better. You can take every drug. You can take every, every uh, entertainment. You can take every thrill ride you've ever had and pump it up to 11 on the, on the, on the uh, turn the volume up to 11. There ain't no, just because, you know, that's a guitar terminology. There's only 10 on the guitar. So 11 means you made it higher than, than it could be. I'm, I'm acting silly again. I'm, in, I'm among family, so that's how I talk. Problem is, even when I'm not among family, I usually talk like this too. See, it's awesome. There's nothing better than delivering the word of God. But when you're a pastor, there's a little bit more involved than delivering the word. You got to make sure the bills get paid. You got to look after all the other things. Not only are you delivering the word, but you are called and there's a burden deep inside of you. Number one, to reach the lost. Number two, to disciple those that come in. 
when you when you reach somebody and you pray them through to the Holy Ghost and you baptize them in water, you rejoice with them. But you're already seeing ahead and you're already planning and you're trying to plant seeds of ministry into their lives and you're trying to develop them so they can be what God has called them to be. Now, the evangelist doesn't do that. He preaches the word. A lot of times he does that unintentionally. Unawares, not unintentionally, because God anoints and in his preaching, he does develop and does all these things. But when you're the pastor, you're constantly looking for people that you can that you can look at and you can say they're a foundation. I can build on them that I'm going to invest my time, my effort, my energy. I'm going to invest it into them. Because I'm, I'm, I'm going to pray that they'll reach a place where I will be able to trust them. To, to represent our church. To represent me. That they can represent Jesus. So when you're a pastor, you're always thinking of all these other things that are involved in that. And sometimes, with that understanding, you reach that point where God gives you a word. And you're like, oh Lord, I don't know if they're ready to hear this word. They might get real offended if I say what you're telling me to say. But the preacher cannot be muzzled. And I want to encourage you, church, you let your pastor know, give me a straight. Give me the word of God, even if it hurts me, even if it offends me. I need to be hurt. I need to be offended. I need to be changed because where else can I go to get the words of eternal life? I need the word unfiltered without fear or favor. Say somebody's in the church got money. I can't offend them. They're paying the, they're paying their tithe. Faithfully they're paying their tithe. And then that, that, that person begins to think they got some power in the church. I feel the Holy Ghost right now. And they, they come up to the pastor and say, I, I think it would be better if we did something like this. And the pastor has to find a way as tactfully as he can say to say, shut up and sit down. Because I know for a fact what's coming from you is the spirit of the enemy and not of God. Now, that's not to say you can't say to your pastor, God, pastor, I think maybe we should do this and maybe we should do that. No man is perfect no pastor is perfect as much as as much as you love your pastor as you should. And you think that he is on a pedestal and he is amazing. He is still a man. He is not unfall infallible. And I know he would tell you that himself. And he don't have all the answers. But the thing you need to remember is God called him to be your pastor and nobody else can fulfill the role that God put in your life. The Bible says the pastor is the gift unto the church. He is the gift unto the church. And let me tell you how good God is. God loves his people. I have seen men of God who've pastored wonderful congregations and there have been healings signs, miracles, wonders, people been saved, revival, growing churches, when all the while the pastor was having an affair with somebody else and living in sin. 
You know why that happens? Because God loves the people and God's anointing comes forth not to make the pastor feel like he's all that, but so that the people can receive the word. I'm, I'm giving a Bible study to a, to a woman in our church and um, she's, she's, she loves, loves the word of God. She can't get enough of it, which is always the way. It, it, isn't that fun when you deal with those people? And she said she was there and she's talking to her, 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 her cousin who, who comes with her. And um, they, they were talking and, and she said, you were preaching. And I was telling him, it, it was like he was speaking directly into my life and exactly where I'm at. He didn't know any of the stuff that was going on. And he was just checking the boxes. Just this is exa- And it was exactly what I needed to hear. And then her cousin said, well, no, because he was preaching directly to me about this situation, about all this going on in my life and all this and all that and all this. I preached the exact same words. But they heard different things because it's not about the man. It's about the God who the man is submitted to. Bible says the gifts and callings of God are without repentance. That means God doesn't change his mind. A pastor can be called. Can make a mistake, a bad mistake. And God will have patience with that man or woman to work with them, that they can come around. And he's not going to just immediately say, change your mind. You're not anointed anymore. You can't preach anymore. That is why I've seen that happen. Thankfully, I don't believe that's a problem in this church. I don't believe that's a problem in any church that I know of. I'm not talking about anybody or any problems that I think or see happening. But I want you to understand When you're putting your faith in the pastor, it's not about the man. You're putting your faith in God when you put your faith in the man. Does that make sense? Does everybody get that? Now, that's the Bible way. The Bible has some good things. And that's why for for all us old timers that I was talking about, and, and you're an old timer if you ever thought your way was better than the new way coming up. Remember all that rambling I did in the beginning? The Bible is really cool for us when we get to that point, because God is the same yesterday, today and forever. I am God and I change not. So the thing that saved you way back when is the same thing that's going to save you right now. And it's the same thing that's going to save you tomorrow. He is the same, and that is awesome. And you can go back to that old landmark. And uh, you know what was cool? When they, when they crossed the Jordan River, you know the story when they crossed the Jordan River? It was awesome. It wasn't like when they crossed the Red Sea. When they crossed the Jordan River, there was no Moses holding his staff. In fact, there was no Moses around. It was Joshua. And they're crossing the Jordan River, and here they go. And, he, and, and God told them, You grab the Ark of the Covenant, you get the four priests, and you tell them to go walk out in the middle of the river and stand there. So you're the priest. Are you going to do what God said to do? Now, remember, we just talked about God's the same yesterday, today, and forever. When we crossed the Red Sea, Moses held a staff and the wind blew all night and it was dry ground. And we're like, okay, let's go. Why don't we do it the old way? I like the old way because I can see where I'm walking. It's not what God told him to do. God said, go out there and start walking. 
There's a rushing river going by. How am I supposed to walk out to the middle of that? God said, go. I don't want to go. I like the old way. Get off my lawn. You see the mentality? But they had to surrender that mentality. They had to realize sometimes God does a new thing. And he does it in a different way. But he still is always going to do what he's always going to do. And that's going to save people. And as they started to walk off, I can imagine that first step of those first two guys as they're walking in unison. Okay, Lord, I guess this is the end. All right. And then they take a step and the water jumps back and they're on dry ground. And then they take a next step and the water jumps back again. And by the third step, I bet you their faith was rocking at that point. They might have even been dancing. Come on, water. You want some of me? This is way better than when they crossed the Red Sea. Booyah! That's how old I am. We used to say that. They don't say that anymore, I don't think. I don't know what they say now. Yeah! And they went out and they stood in the middle of the bottom of the Jordan River. And as they're standing there, all the people are walking. There's like three million people or something walking across the, the, the river. And these guys are standing there looking over and the water is just building up. There's no water that way because it's a river now. This is not a Red Sea. Red Sea split on both sides. This is a river. It stopped going one way and it just stopped. And it's just building up and building up. And they're like, wonder how tall it's going to get. And God told them, when you go across this time, he didn't say this at the Red Sea, but at the Jordan River, he said, when you go across, you get some big boulders from the bottom of the Jordan River and you carry them out and you build a monument on the other side so that when your children and their children and their children and their children's children see those boulders there. And ask you, Daddy, why are there boulders there that you can remember what I did this day and I did a new thing? That we walked on dry ground and we came across and you tell the story how there was nothing. And then when they took one step, the water jumped back and they stood there. And as long as they stood there, the water built up and it did not touch them. But as they began to walk and come out of it, then the water came down and went back like it was supposed to go. And that's awesome. And that's exciting. And that's a landmark. And that landmark will never go away. That landmark is there to change in the flesh. What I was telling you about was a landmark in my life was Larry Bird. I played basketball. I wasn't that good, but I liked to play. The reason I play and the way that I played was because of Larry Bird. I played 100%. I played by the rules. And I played, I practiced and practiced and practiced. I came home from school and I shot 100 shots every day. I had a shot chart. I did it all. I wish I put this much into, into studying the Word of God, but I didn't know better back then. And I, I, it was because this is what Larry Bird did, so that's the way I'm going. I even tried to learn how to shoot his weird way of shooting, but I never could shoot that way, so I finally gave up on that. But he was a landmark in my life. And now, 25 years later, I'm still looking back. Larry Bird's still better than LeBron James. Because he's a landmark in my life. Now, your landmarks are important. 
You don't want to throw out your landmarks. God doesn't change who he is. But sometimes he needs to change you. And that's the hard part. You can't muzzle the preacher. How do you muzzle the preacher? Well, that's for somebody else. That thing that pricked your heart and you, you, ooh, well, that must have been for somebody else because that makes me mad. I'm not, that wasn't for me. And I like him. My pastor's a good guy. I really like what he has to say. So uh, I don't have to listen to that part of what he said. You're, you're trying to muzzle the preacher. And in turn, what you're doing is you're muzzling the voice of God in your life. And if you're not careful, you're going to end up on the wrong side of the Jordan River saying, I want to cross the way we did it my, my back in my day. I don't want to do something that makes me uncomfortable. I don't want to do something that will take me out of where I used to be. You see, they didn't like Jesus' message. Jesus was preaching to ta- and the, the scripture that I read. That you can't put a, you know why you don't put a new piece of cloth into an old garment and sew it in as a patch? Because the new piece of cloth has not shrunk yet. And what will happen is it gets wet once, it's going to shrink and rip again. It'll be perfect when you, it'll look good right when you first put it on. But all the old cloth is already stretched. Then you put the new cloth in, it'll shrink up and it'll rip again. And you won't have caused anything. You'll create a more difficult patch. That's why you take an old cloth to patch an old garment. Neither do you pour new wine into old bottles or wine. They didn't use actual bottles. They used wine skins. And the reason is they would pour new wine into new skins. The skins would stretch and they would weaken and they would become brittle and they would age with the wine that was inside. Now, just so you know, when they use wine in Scripture, that does not always mean alcohol. Anything that came from grapes was called wine back then. Just so you know. New wine usually meant it was grape juice. And if once it got old and fermented, they didn't really drink that. They got rid of it. So they kept it until it started to become what we call wine. And they're like, no, I don't want no part. That's alcohol. They got rid of it. But they put new wine in new wineskins because they didn't become brittle and they didn't become stretched and they wouldn't break. You put new wine in there in the old one, you'd end up losing all the good new wine that you want to keep. You don't want to keep the old wine. You want to keep the new wine. And you'd lose it if you risk putting it into an old wineskin. Make sense? People get uncomfortable. They didn't like Jesus' message because he was preaching to a tax collector Right before this is when he called Matthew, hey, hey, Matthew, the tax collector that everybody couldn't stand. They don't like tax collectors because they looked at them as traitors because they were Jews collecting money and stealing money from Jews to give to the enemy, the Romans. But Jesus said they still need to be saved. Then he'd go and he'd hang out with sinners. And they're like, what's up with this guy? He knows the word of God. What in the world is he hanging out with low-down, nasty, stinky, smelly, dirty sinners for? They didn't like Jesus. He didn't wear the tie the right way. He didn't sit and cross his legs very preacher-like. He didn't go like this. You know, when everybody in the church is going crazy and the preachers... He wasn't pompous. 
He wasn't full of ceremony. He came with a new way and they didn't like it. They were telling Jesus, get off my lawn. Because they wanted to keep their old wineskins. They wanted to keep their old garments. Their old garments. They wanted to keep their old testament that he was coming to fulfill. They wanted to keep the old way. Now, the landmarks are important. We've got to remember the landmarks. But we've also got to keep our ears open and ready to hear from God what he's saying. The book of Revelation tells us time and time and time again, do you have an ear to hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches? He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. I'm here to encourage somebody today. And I know I'm not getting super yelly and and jumping around, but I feel heavy on my heart right now. This message is for this church. We've got to be able to hear what the preacher's saying to us. We've got to be able to hear what God is saying to us individually and be able to submit to that. That's the hardest thing any human being will ever do is submit. But when you submit, look back and you will see what the glory of the Lord is doing. When you submit to God, you realize that you're just the tool that God's using and miracles, signs and wonders are following you. People are being saved. People or families are going to come back together. Divorces is going to go away. Children are going to come back to their parents. Things are going to happen that are miraculous. And you'll say there is no way this can happen. And how is it happening? By the hand of God. He will work, but who will let him? Sometimes he's going to tell you things that are uncomfortable. It's not the way you've always done it. It's not the way that you think you need to do it. You may think you got a better way of doing it. Let me tell you this. God spoke to David. I am way off of my notes, but I feel the Holy Ghost. God spoke to David. He said, you need to go grab the Ark of the Covenant, which was the manifest presence of God. It was the most holy place and item that was on earth at that time. You need to go get that and you need to bring it back to the temple. You can't build the temple yet, but your son's going to build it and the ark needs to be there. So he goes and he, he heard from God. He had a mission from God. What he was doing was a good thing. God told him to do it and he said, all right, I'm going to do it. So what does he do? I'm going to help God out. I'm going to make a new cart and do it my way, but I'm still going to do what God said. Er, wrong answer. That ain't going to fly. You've got to do. Sometimes God will tell you to do a new thing. But when you put the new thing in, that's always a bad idea. You need to do what he says to do. You need to feed. And here's your protection. Here's the prote- Not everybody has a relationship with God where they're at a level where they are in. Now, this is the goal. This is what we want to be in constant communication with him where we're walking down the street and God can say, oh, oh, you need to turn left. All right, God. Not everybody has that kind of relationship with God, but that's the goal, isn't it? To live by the spirit, to walk by the spirit. And he's like, all right, now you need to go. You don't need to go knock on that door and that Knock on it. Okay. Hello. Yeah. God just spoke to, spoke to me. I need to come knock on the door. Just wanted to see. Uh, do you need something? Now, this is a true story. This happened to somebody I know. 
The person started bawling their eyes out. Said, I just got done praying. God, I, I can't take it anymore. I'm, if you don't send somebody to my door right now, I'm going to commit suicide. And that really happened. That's not a made up story. That really happened. Both of those people are still serving God today. That's the goal. But don't get discouraged if you're not there yet. That's the goal. Let me tell you, that's the goal of your pastor for every one of you. But there are things that you have to change. That he is here to speak into your life so that you can change. Man, the Holy Ghost is thick in this place right now. You can't do your own way. You have got to make changes. And here's your protection. This is what I was saying, coming all the way back to. Here's your protection. You don't have to be at that level. But what you can do is you can say, I think God's speaking to me, but I'm not sure. I think God's telling me to do something, but I'm not sure. And I don't want to do like David did and do a new thing and mess it all up. You've got a pastor. You can come to your pastor and your pastor is your buffer zone. Your pastor will lead you and guide you. But the key to all of it, to every bit of your growth, every bit of your awakening in God's plan in your life all comes from submission to your pastor. And it's not again, it's not about him. When it comes to being saved, we're all equal at the foot of the cross. But God has placed him in spiritual authority in your life. You can trust him. And even if he tells you wrong, you can trust you're going to be okay because you're giving him honor. You're giving submission to him is giving it to God and God will protect his people. Even when there's a doofus of a preacher that's sending people the wrong direction. God can still move in people's life. When the preacher don't even believe the truth, but he happens to preach and anointing comes and people can get saved. I've seen that happen with televangelists. People have been healed by people, by preachers who really have no business praying for people. But they got healed because it's not about the preacher. It's about the person seeking God and submitting to godly authority. I'm giving you deep stuff now. This is not this is not uh, kindergarten stuff here. This is deep stuff. But God feels you're ready for it. Hallelujah. Let me see if I can figure out where in the world I'm at now. Second Timothy chapter three. Whoo. I'm going to get over here. I'm going to read it with all of y'all. This is something the preacher has to deal with. This was Paul speaking to the young preacher, pastor, Timothy. This know also. That in the last days, perilous times shall come. Keep going. For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, This is still the same sentence, folks. Traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasures, more than lovers of God. Still the same sentence. Having a form of godliness. But denying the power thereof 
from such turn away. Let's stop for a second right there. I don't want to ever be accused of having a form of godliness and denying the power. I want the real deal. I want the truth. I want it unfavored. I want it unfiltered. I want it without fear. I want I want my pastor. I want my preacher to be able to speak to me the power, the anointing, the word of God. Because it's the only thing that will save me. And we are living in the last days. We cannot afford to play patty cake and be little wussy Christians. It's time for us to get a backbone and say, Pastor, you offended me. Thank you. Teach me God's ways. Give me what I need. Feels like he's spiritually smacking you upside the face and you say, thank you, sir. May I have another? Because I need Jesus. I don't want a form of godliness. I want it all. I want all of you, Jesus. I feel like I got some, some kindred spirits in the house today. I feel like there's some folks that are ready to say, God, I'm ready to lay everything on the line. If you're ready to tell me I need to change my job, my job's not as important as you are. If you're ready to tell me I need to change this relationship, this relationship is not as important as you are. If I gotta change the way I talk, if I gotta change the way I dress, if I gotta change the way I eat, if I gotta change the way I drink, whatever I do, God, I'm giving it all to you. I'm putting it all on the altar. I don't want to be like those that didn't like Jesus because He made them uncomfortable. God, make me uncomfortable. Because the more uncomfortable I am on planet earth, the more I'll move into your ways. If I stay in my comfort zone here, I'm going to spend eternity in a place that will never be comfortable to me. And I'm ready for you to come back for your church. And I want to be a part of that church. And from those that are trying to give me a form of godliness... Those that are trying not to hurt my feelings. Those that are afraid to boldly declare the Word of God into my life. From such, I'm going to turn away. I want the Word. I want the truth. I want to buy it. And I'm not going to let go of it. I'm going to hold on to it. I'm going to wrestle with you, Jesus. Just like Jacob did. I'm not letting go until you bless me. Change my name. Change my life. Change my circumstance. Change my ability, God. Make me what you want me to be. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Next verse. For of this sort are they which creep. This kind of stuff that with the form of godliness, they sound good. They always sound good because they never offend you. They're always careful to say just what you want to hear. They creep. They don't come storming in. Sometimes the preacher might come storming in, but not these. No, they're going to creep into houses and leave captive silly women laden with sins. Led away with divers. That's different kinds of lusts. Verse 7. Ever learning. Never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Uh, I've been studying at seminary for 15 years, and I know all the things that there is to know. I've been at college and university, and I'm here to deliver all the philosophical advantages that I've learned and the poor people who don't know what I know. Baloney. 
ever learning, but never able to come to the simplistic knowledge that Jesus is God and he's the only one that has the words of eternal life. Whew. Now, these people withstood Moses. These are two guys in the Old Testament. They withstood Moses. So do these also resist the truth? Men of corrupt minds reprobate concerning the faith. But they shall proceed no further. Hallelujah. For their folly shall be manifest unto all as theirs was also. Here's what happens when people start spouting off a bunch of nonsense and they think they got all the answers and they think they, their arrogance rises to a level of, 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 of obscenity and they think they got it all together, the people are going to be protected. Remember, God loves people. He's not worried about a couple of guys who get out of whack. God loves people and he's going to make sure it's right. But thou shalt fully know my doctrine, manner of life, purpose, faith, long-suffering, charity, or love, patience, persecutions, afflictions, which came unto me at Antioch, at Iconium, at Lystra, what persecutions I endured, but out of them all the Lord delivered me. What is Paul saying? What I'm telling you, I've got a right to tell you because I'm your preacher. I'm your pastor. You know my faith. You know my doctrine. You know where I stand. And I have a right to speak into your life, Timothy. And I'm telling you, you got to avoid these nonsensical people. you got to stay away from that and make sure you speak with boldness. But you can't deliver the things that you need to deliver until you've proven yourself to these people. And you got to do it by sometimes suffering. And yea, all that I will live godly unto Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. This is all great and wonderful. Even Jesus had to deal with it. But evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. But continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them. You learned them from me. Your pastor is vital in your life. You got to listen to your pastor. He's going to say things. You got to listen to what he has to say. And that from childhood thou hast known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith, which is in Jesus Christ. I think there's two more verses. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. If you got a preacher, stay right here. Go back. Stay right there. You got a preacher who is always talking about how great and wonderful life is, but he never gives you doctrine. And he never gives you reproof and speaks into your life and reads your mail and says, you got to change because you're going away of destruction. And if you don't change, you're going to get beat down. If you got a preacher who's never ready to come up and bring correction and instruction in righteousness into your life, you got somebody with a form of godliness and denies the power thereof. Next verse. That the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. Now, this is talking about the preacher, but this is talking about every one of you. And I'm fixing to close here. God wants to bring you into perfection. Another word for perfection is completeness. And how does that happen? All the impurities got to be burned away. All the nonsense has got to be thrown into the fire and burned away. 
And sometimes before you get your dream, you got to walk through the nightmare. Sometimes before you get to the promised land, you got to spend some time in the wilderness getting rid of all the unbelief and the lack of faith and all the wrong ideas and the rebellious nature. Sometimes you got to step up and say, God, I'm not letting go until you bless me. My name was Jacob before. I'm a liar. I'm a deceiver. I'm a conniver. I'm a manipulator. I do things my own way. I can't live like this anymore. When he was done after wrestling with the angel of the Lord all night, his name was changed and his actions were changed. He was no longer Jacob, the liar, the deceiver, the conniver. He was Israel, the prince. Next chapter, chapter four. Second Timothy, chapter four, We're going to read the first five verses. I charge thee, therefore, before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing in his kingdom. Stand with me. Listen to this. What is being said here, church? Preach the word. Be instant in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. But after their own lusts, they will heap unto themselves teachers having itching ears. And they shall turn away their ears from the truth. And shall be turned unto fables. But watch thou in all things. Endure afflictions. Do the work of an evangelist. Make full proof of thy ministry. Time has come for the church to come out. Come out from among them and be ye separate. Old things are passed away. We cannot move into apostolic authority and still be in love with the things of the world. Let me ask you, is Jesus faithful? Is He trustworthy? He's coming back for a church. He's coming back for somebody that says, God, I've done things my own way for a long time. And I'm a wineskin now. And I've been old I've been stretched out. I'm brittle. I'm hard. I've got strong opinions. When you try to put your new spirit in me, I can't handle it. It just bursts me and I, I, I lose it all. It's not until I become new. Second Corinthians 5.17 says, Old things are passed away. Behold, all things, all things are become new. I'm a new creature in Christ. I like the old way. I'm comfortable with the old way. I like being who I am. But God's calling somebody to say it's time to be a new you. I'm here to make you a new creature. And let me tell you, the new is going to be better than the old. Because this new is a new created by God. Yes, they crossed the Red Sea and it was cool. But it wasn't half as cool as when they crossed the Jordan River. It was way better to do it God's way. I don't want to be so holding on to the world. The world has weakened us. It has stretched us to the point of bursting that any little bit of truth we get, we lose immediately because we have not changed 
And we don't listen to the preacher. We, we listen, but we don't hear. We don't take it in. We don't study it. When it doesn't feel good, we just kind of let it slip aside. But I feel a spirit of conviction in the house today. I don't want to leave the way I came. I'm going to open up. I'm going to pray a prayer of faith over this congregation. Then I'm going to open up this altar and God's going to touch you. I don't care how long you've been serving God. God's going to touch you today. I believe that in the in the name of Jesus. You are going to be changed today. But that changing is entirely dependent on how submitted you decide you're going to be. In the name of Jesus. On the authority of your word and the power of that name. Jesus. I pray right now, God, that a releasing of liberty begins to flow into every heart and every spirit. Lord God, that people would begin to release the things they've been holding on to. The old worldly concepts, the old worldly entertainments, the old worldly ideas, the old worldly philosophies, that a releasing would begin to take place inside people's hearts. That your spirit would move right now, God. I believe it. I pray faith would rise in this house today. I release the gift of faith into this house right now in Jesus' name. As we surrender to you, God. We surrender to you, God. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. I'm going to ask that we don't have any singing. We can just be playing because we want to, we want to, we don't want any distractions right now. Everybody in the house needs to talk to God. Thank you. Thank you, singers. I don't want to offend anybody, but I want you to, I want you all to speak to God. God's speaking his hearts right now. This altar is open. It's time for somebody to step out of their comfort zone and say, God, I'm ready to be uncomfortable. I'm ready to be changed. I've been working and working and working in your ministry, God, but I'm ready to have a new anointing. I'm ready to have a new door opened under my life. I'm sick and tired of enticing words of man's wisdom. I want the power and demonstration of the Holy Ghost.
right now, Lord God, anointing of surrender would take hold in their life. Lord God, that you can surrender all things, that you can be what you call her to be. I rebuke the devil right now. I rebuke every lie of the enemy that is trying to steal what you planted in her heart. In the name of Jesus, Lord God, give her a heart after you. Give her a love after you. Let her be a praiser like she's never been before. Let her be a worshiper like she's never been before. Let her be a soul winner like she's never been before. Take these hands, I pray. Let the anointing flow through these hands, I pray. Let a surrender and submission take hold of her heart. Let her be everything you call of her heart.
Why don't we just lift up a spirit of gratitude? God has touched us this morning. He didn't have to do it, but He did. He didn't have to 